you know, you mentioned you want to play more. Everybody wants to play. And, and when I think back on our championships, I never think about who was on the ice or who didn't get a shift that single game. Uh, you remember the, the good times, the, the times in the dressing room, the times on the bus, um, the people you were able to accomplish things with. It never comes back to, well, you know, I only got to play four minutes that game. You know, that, that's never what you remember. That was Jaina Hefford. And this is the Connor Carrick Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Connor Carrick Podcast. I am your host, Connor Carrick, current defenseman for the New Jersey Devils. Today, we will talk with Jaina Hefford, five-time Olympic medalist, four golds. She's a 2018 Hockey Hall of Fame inductee, a 2019 recipient of the Hockey Order in Canada. She will give us some insight into her journey, how she developed into uh, having the Hall of Fame career that she did. I gained so much from this conversation, truly an exceptional individual. I trust her as one of the leaders in women's hockey to take their professional game to the next level. I'm super excited to, to share with you uh, what we learned today. Jaina Heffer, Jaina, um, I, I told you before we started the show and we were chatting, but I'm going to read your, your accolades in the intro after we're done. I think it'd take us, you know, 15, 20 minutes just to get from top to bottom. Um, Hockey Hall of Famer in 2018. I, I was looking through uh, the speech on YouTube. That, that's honestly been something I've always tried to make sure I see every year is the Hall of Fame induction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am super excited to talk today because I, I think there's really three elements of your hockey career that I'm super interested in. And I think our listener would, would want to know about like the, your, your youth and your development of greatness and what it was like growing up as a, as a young lady in hockey, mm-hmm. um, the actual production of your greatness, the story of your greatness, your career, the crux of it, almost two decades for team Canada. Um, you know, which has always been, you know, I think the highlight of women's hockey in terms of attention. And of course your professional career with the CWHL, um, and just, uh, we'll get into that. Your, your role with the PWHPA and the growth of, of women's hockey. And that brings me that kind of segues into, the third leg of, of your career, uh, which is this sense of mission, this, this, you want to create a platform for others to create their greatness. And, you know, I've, th- I've thought a lot about that as we are, uh, you know, the NHL is on pause with, you know, COVID-19 mm-hmm. and it's hard not to imagine, you know, what incredible playoff game might be on TV tonight. Right. And as fans and lovers of the game, you know, we're not privy to that, that game, isn't able to go on. It's a luxury that, you know, maybe we as sports fans took for granted um, a little bit. I, uh, I first heard your name. I, I actually presented an award, oddly enough, on your behalf to Jamie Lee Rattray. Did. Yep. Yeah. And uh, tw- I think it was 2019. Um, and, and, and then I, uh, you know, became more familiar with your story uh, in doing some research for, for our time today. Um, what an amazing, amazing career you had. You know, truly something you should be should be special about. I know you talked about in your Hall of Fame speech, you talked about Beth Duff and, you know, sort of your family, but take us back, take us back to growing up in Kingston, Ontario and, and where your love for the game and where your passion really developed. 
Yeah, I, you know, for, really fortunate to grow up in an environment like I did. Uh, Kingston, Ontario is a, a great hockey town, as I'm, I'm sure you know, the, the names of uh, Doug Gilmore and Kirk Muller and Don Cherry and all these infamous guys that have had such a huge impact on the game. Uh, so grew up within that, but you know, I really think my passion for the game was, was pretty innate from as young as I can mm-hmm. remember. All I wanted to do was, was play the game and it didn't matter if, um, you know, my dad made a rink in the backyard. I have an older brother who played, uh, my parents were both pretty involved in coaching and managing and, but anytime I could play the game, whether it was road hockey or, you know, on the backyard rink or actually uh, on the ice playing, it was just, uh, I don't know, it's all I ever wanted to do. And I feel so fortunate that I could live out that passion and that, um, you know, I talked a little bit in my speech about the idea that, uh, my parents allowed me to just Mm -hmm. dream and dream, uh, you know, what wasn't normal and what wasn't common. And, um, although I realized I was doing something most girls weren't, I never felt like I shouldn't be doing it. Um, they encouraged me from the very beginning. And I, I think that's one of the most important things I learned, although I didn't know at the time it was, it was so valuable. I, I was always jealous. I spent some time as a Toronto Maple Leaf up in Canada. The the nationwide, it seems, love for hockey. Like it it te- it seems you get a pair of skates with your birth certificate up there. <laughs> and um, I just loved the way we were embraced uh, in the community. It it really is. Uh, it's almost cliche the beauty of growing up on the backyard rink and things like that. Um, but but what a beautiful you know picture you paint. And that was always a conversation in my home too, because I grew up with three boys mm. with NHL aspirations. And, you know, the conversation in our house was always, why not? Like someone's going to play in the NHL. Why not you? Mm. And how lucky, right? Everyone, everyone doesn't have that, that ability. When I saw yeah. it, you know, and yeah. I guess that's, I'm also curious just in terms of your development, um, you know, as a young girl, you know, like I know as, as a young player. I was, I was very committed. I, that your commitment, your, your sense of conviction comes through just in your voice when you you could be talking about anything and you just have this, Mm -hmm. you have this inner strength that comes through, um, so clearly, you know, what, how, when did you really start taking the game seriously? And what were sort of the habits that you built growing up that created your success? Because one, you were given permission to dream, which is special. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. But you also went to work on that talent and built yourself mm-hmm. into, you know, the, the Hall of Fame career you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, that passion was just something that I think flowed through me from such a young age. And I, I really just went with it. And, um, you know, I love the NHL. I love watching the NHL. I, I grew up loving the New Jersey Devils because no Kirk kidding. Was, yeah. yeah, Kirk Muller was the number one draft pick, uh, you know, in his year and uh, being a Kingston guy. So I grew up in, in loving John McLean and John Terreri and all those guys. And, um, you know, so I remember, you know, my kids now, they, they love art and they draw all the time. And um, I remember as a kid drawing, but I always used to draw hockey pictures. That's what I used to love to draw pictures of goalies and different things. And it just, um, you know, I'm a person that I guess is just driven by that passion and, and I want to live that passion every day and, and try to find something that matters to me. And and so that passion was there. And then, you know, from the, the actual performance side of things, I just, you know, I knew at a young age I was... I was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always, um, I actually wanted to be a goalie when I was young and my parents oh, gently God. guided <laughs> me otherwise. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I just always, I, I, I was good and, but I, I just wanted to get better all the time. And, um, you know, I, I just, 
I worked at it. And, you know, I remember as probably a 11 or 12 year old girl, it'd be like, my dad had some weights and stuff in the basement and I would go and I'd do some stuff on my own. Cause I thought that's how I was going to get better. Um, didn't really know what I was doing at the time, but, um, eventually, you know, through that and playing other sports and, um, you know, I just, I was on the ice whenever I could. And you mentioned Beth Duff, who I, I talked about in my speech mm. and, she was my coach for over 10 years in minor hockey. And again, a woman coaching a team that uh, you didn't see that a lot either. And my mom was a team manager and there was one season we played over 80 games and wow. we would drive, <laughs> we'd drive, uh, you know, 30 minutes from Kingston and play a boys team. And then we'd drive a couple hours somewhere else and play another game same day. And um, I was fortunate to be around this group of people that all seemed to have the same passion and, and just uh, really, you know, loved it and lived it. And, and I think that's a big part of who I am and, and the success I had. That's very much how, you know, I grew up in terms of uh, the roller hockey and the, and the road hockey, the fighting over shinny sticks and things like that. I've really tried to reconnect as the NHL has been on pause. Like I, I dusted off the rollerblades. I think it's been 10 years since I've rollerbladed, you know, but I used to do that as a kid, go out and pretend I was Pavel Bure or Joe Sackick. And, you know, I was very much, um, I would read something and I try and steal it. Like I, I would try to steal greatness from people. I remember, I mm -hmm. think I read something about, you know, how Jonathan Taze would like put his rollerblades on before school. And all of a sudden for like a month, I was getting up 5 a.m., you know, skating before school. And it's been interesting, you know, life in the NHL is good. Uh, pay is good. Hotels, things like that. Things that the PWHPA is trying to strive for in time and we'll get there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's been an interesting like reflection uh, as I try to like reconnect with just keeping the game as a pure passion. Like when I was a kid during this time is you look back and then, you know, you touched on when you talked about your children, like what I, I'm a pro now, but would I go back to the 6am skates? You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. would I go back to playing five games in two and a half days with the, the soggy gear that's aired out in your hotel room? Right. And like, oh, those memories just bring you right back. They're so, <laughs> they're so textured, you know, yeah. um, this game. And I think that's where the mutual respect for anyone that has achieved success in this sport. Like our stories are all so similar. It's a very family oriented game. It's very gritty. You got to put your gear on. Everybody gets hit at some point. Everybody gets hurt at some point. Um, you know, and that's what I was really reconnecting with in watching your hall of fame speech, you know, last night as I was prepping was what a special sport, like what a special game to, to be able to dream about growing up. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, again, to t bring back to me and my kids, it's like, I want them to experience it, not because they're going to play in the NHL mm -hmm. or they're going to play in the Olympics, but because what it gives you and what I feel like it gave me um, was just so valuable. And uh, maybe you can get it in other team sports, but there's still something about hockey that to me seems different. Um, yeah, there's the team aspect, but you spend so much time in the dressing room together. And those are mm -hmm. things that not every sport has. And, um, I just, I want them to, to experience those moments that I would, um, you know, just, uh, it's the only thing I, I wanted to do as a young kid. That was, those were the best times. And I, I even tried to like in a lot of my social media on Instagram and things like that, I get asked a lot about, you know, workouts that I do and, and, you know, videos that I watch or what I'm doing in this downtime to try and stay sharp. And you touched on it a little bit where you discussed other sports. And I think that that hockey, at least in Illinois, where I'm from, I'm, I'm from Chicago, has become very much like a 365-day gig, mm -hmm. which I know as an NHLer where this is my profession, this is how I feed my family. 
it's hard to maintain like the same juice 365 days a year for the game. You can't do something every day. Um, you know, eventually it'll just become a little bit lackluster. So I've tried to urge, you know, kids and parents that are listening to this to, you know, expose your kid to other sport. We, we still think hockey's the best. Yeah, <laughs> we won't, uh, you know, hide our cards that way, but you know, just maybe pick up some of those lessons from, you know, other sports. Yeah. And, you know, I always felt like the best players I played with were just the ones you could tell were great athletes. I played mm -hmm. with a lot of great hockey players that you knew weren't great athletes mm -hmm. <laughs> in other sports. And then you see the ones that are, are really great and they could pick up a soccer ball or a baseball bat or a golf club and they're pretty good at everything. And I think, you know, just remembering that it's important uh, to do those other things and they actually make you a better hockey player. And um, when I was young, I wanted to play summer hockey so badly mm -hmm. and uh, my parents wouldn't let me. Um, and at the time I didn't get, I didn't understand it, but looking back, I'm so thankful because, you know, you listen to any expert and they all tell you don't do it, but people still do it. Um, yeah. You just got to keep that, 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 like that pilot lit. You just got to mm -hmm. keep that, that hunger for the game, you know, just slightly unsatisfied, like practice all the way up until you think you're done. And then, you know, I, I feel like you cut it off and, and make yeah. sure you're hungry for, for the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, no, that's wonderful. And, and, you know, I, uh, gosh, certainly jealous growing up. You know, I, I remember the first time I ever went to Canada, just seeing all the outdoor rinks and things like that. It's so cliche, but it's beautiful. It's, it's, what a game we're both, you know, a part of. Yeah, it's it's such an amazing part of our culture and it brings out something in, I'll say Canadians because I, I see it, that's so different from anything else. And mm -hmm. it's uh, it really is incredible. We're not a, a boisterous country, but when it comes to hockey, <laughs> you, we're Oh tough. yeah, it's different. It's <laughs> and different. proud. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So, so, Jana, that's kind of the, we can wrap up a bit about, you know, your, your youth and your, your childhood and development of, of your sport. Um, I want to get into a little bit of your, about your career, five-time Olympic medalist, four golds. We won't talk about the other one. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, there was one quote we can, we can start with. You had a quote at your 2018, uh, hockey hall of fame speech. Uh, you were talking to your partner, Kathleen Koth, is it? K-U-K Koth. Yeah. And I just thought this was out. This was outstanding. I mean, I was, I was. Quote, thank you for understanding what it takes to compete at the highest level. The focus, the commitment, the selfishness at times. Thank you for the many sacrifices that you made that allowed me to continue to play the game. And I relate to, you know, when I was, when I was younger, um, I remember amongst my friends, always hyper-competitive. Hated to lose. We'd play in wiffle ball at a, at a birthday party, and I'd throw a fit because I didn't agree with the call and, and I wasn't always the best sport, um, but certainly competitive. I remember the focus, you know, growing up in terms of I, I, every season, every summer, I was very goal oriented. I'd, I'd write them down. You know, I had coaches that demanded uh, that of me and that was a great practice that I, you know, still enjoy and, and apply now to other areas of my life. The commitment and the selfishness. And, you know, those are two that I think people don't, understand the if you're not in pro sport if you're not at the top of your game for as long as you were it's hard to understand the ends you have to go to to maintain that commitment and just sometimes how difficult it is to communicate that selfishness with your with your loved ones with family with 
you know, because I've, I've done it in my own career. Hey, you know, sorry, Dad, I know we're playing in Chicago. I can't see after the game. I've got a sore groin lately. I want to make sure I'm, you know, uh, doing the stretches I need to after the game. Um, but, you know, I, I, what does that quote mean to you? And why did you choose those words? Well, I think selfishness has such a negative connotation, but mm-hmm. I, I think when you're an athlete at the highest level, um, it's, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. And it's, it's something that you are 24 seven, you know, and, and it can become very, um, very much about yourself all the time. It's like, did I sleep enough? I need a nap. Did I eat well enough? Uh, what am I going to do now? Um, did I work hard enough? I'm sore. How do I feel better? Um, it's just all about you all the time. And it has to be in many cases. Um, so I think, you know, having someone that understands that, and sees that as your ability to excel and be the best version of yourself uh, versus being like, well, geez, I, I wish we could just go out tonight, but you, you need to go to bed early. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. no fun, right? Like, so I, like everything else, I, I think having someone that really understands um, what you love and understands your need to be the best version of yourself and, and what that takes, it's, it's not an easy thing, but... Um, I think when somebody sees that in you and they see that that makes you the best version of you, um, they work with it and, and they help you be that. Um, so, you know, that, I think that's how I see it. And, um, you know, I, I realized once I got out of sport, how self-indulged you are in sport. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's uh, especially, again, it keeps coming back to kids, but it's no longer, you know, it's not about me anymore. And it's, uh, for a long time I was able to do those things I needed to do and, um, and you just have to, to compete at the highest level. There, there's no way around that. You know, it's interesting you say that. I uh, I was texting with Travis Zajac to keep the, the devil's lineage going. Mm-hmm. And he is just like the consummate pro. I can't wait to have him on the podcast. We're close friends. He's got uh, like a devout studiousness to his game, to, to, his, to his, how he goes about his life. And I, we, we've been texting each other on quarantine, like pictures of our workout setup or what we've been doing, you know, as a way to try and keep each other, you know, sort of honest. And I just texted him the one day I go, man, (laughs) like you're, you're just hitting on a thousand games, but you prep like you're trying to play a thousand more. Mm -hmm. And that was directly what he texted back. He goes, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, and until, you know, you really go pro in something, it's something abstract. Like you, that, and that is the beauty, I guess, of the selfishness is there is a direct goal and you become so in tune with your process growing up that you just, it's, you're, you become a machine, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think to your point about Travis, it's just, um, you know, the best never take it for granted. Mm-hmm. They, they want to continue to be better. And, um, you know, I'd like to think the same that I, I, I'd like to think I trained better as I got older in my last mm-hmm. few years, but I never took for granted the opportunity I had to, to play for my country. It never got old. You know, I played for 17 years, but it was just as exciting in my 17th year to, to put on that Canadian Jersey as it was in my first. Well, take, t- let's talk about that. Take me through, we can start with the highlight. Cause we, I mean, we can talk about all five Olympics. I'm not sure how much time you got, but <laughs> you know, take me through, I, I'm curious about a couple of things. Like I want to know your favorite, let's start with your favorite memory. What was your favorite memory for team Canada? It's, it's tough. I, I always, I get asked this question a lot. Um, I think my, 
if I had to pick one, it would most likely be uh, our first gold medal in Salt Lake City, uh, 2002. Um, as you know, we, we lost in 98 and hockey mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. one of those sports where you don't win a silver medal, you, you lose the gold medal. So, yeah. um, you know, th- those are tough things and um, the expectations were there for us to win. So, you know, four years later, being able to win our first one and, and it was in the U.S. and we hadn't beaten the American women all season. And so it was a bit of a Cinderella story and um, you never forget the first one for sure. That sounds, yeah. 2002. That's a, I, I mean, and it is, it is incredible the rivalry between U.S. Canada now, um, yeah. you know, for the women's game. And the women's game, you know, continues to grow on the international stage. But there's something about the red, white, and blue playing the red and white, you know, in Canada that I, like I grew up in the same hometown as Kendall Coyne, so I like know, I, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I, I, I think I've seen uh, the distaste for the other side, and and but mm-hmm. respect the the incredible mm-hmm. respect for the other side. Um, what was maybe the most heartbreaking memory you've had in this game? I mean, certainly losing in 1998 and, um, I was quite young at the time. I was only my, my second year with the national team and, but that, you know, that whole idea of it being, it was the first time women talked was in the Olympics. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether you're a rookie or you're a veteran, it really didn't matter because none of us knew what to expect. The intensity of that, um, event of that season was something we had never seen before. Um, the interest in it, uh, the expectations, as I said, uh, as you know, in playing in Canada, it's probably like playing in the Leafs that mm-hmm. the expectation is that you always win. And, and as an athlete, you love that. Um, right. to me, it meant people cared. It mattered how you performed and, and those are great things. But, um, you know, to come home with a silver medal from the first Olympic games, that was certainly tough, but I will say I learned so much from that experience and, big believer in, in learning from, you know, good or bad experiences. But the idea of, for me, it was really about just staying present and staying in the moment because there was all this excitement about just getting to the Olympics and the opportunity to play for a gold medal and how great that was going to be. And and I looked back on the season and really felt like I, I kind of just let it slide because I just couldn't wait to get there. And mm-hmm. we had an opportunity to, that was our first chance to really be what we would consider professional athletes where we mm-hmm. could, you know, live together, train together every day travel the world, you know, challenge yourself against the best players every day. And I didn't appreciate those moments. And, um, you know, from that time on, I really focused on that, that concept of staying present and enjoying the moment. And certainly that's a life lesson, but it's one that really resonated with me through that experience. And that's something I've even, I've even tried to bottle up my own, my personal life for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in my professional life, it, like the authenticity when ex players shake your hand and look at you and say, please enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know you care about success. I know you, you, you want to win. I, I know you're frustrated about your lack of power play time, whatever, but I'm, I'm telling you now, please like for the love of God, I'm, I'm on the other side. Enjoy this. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think about that too. And you know, you mentioned you want to play more. Everybody wants to play. And and when I think back on our championships, I never think about who was on the ice mm-hmm. or who didn't get a shift that single game. When you're all done, it doesn't matter. You know, what you remember is the collective success. You remember standing on the blue line, 
hearing your country's anthem. Uh, you remember the, the good times, the, the times in the dressing room, the times on the bus, um, the people you were able to accomplish things with. It never comes back to, well, you know, I only got to play four minutes that game. Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's never what you remember. And there is something just about that heightened commitment. I have a little bit of international experience with World Junior and the under-18s in that. Um, you know, never been able to make men's worlds, never been able to uh, be an Olympian or play in the World Cup. But there is something about when you're wearing your country's colors, that sense of mission is just, it's so special. There really is such a buy-in, especially in those so short tournaments. You know, over mm -hmm. the course of a career, like, you know, you're, you're jockeying always. There's 82 games. There's just so many opportunities to be, you know, happy with your ice time, frustrated with your ice time, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're competing for next year for contracts and things like that. But there's just something about that togetherness of international play that is so special. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think you touched on it for, you know, for us, it's, it's all about that winning the gold medal, you know, it's, mm -hmm. and that's sort of where it ends for every single group is trying to win a gold medal and then you start to do it again. And, um, but yeah, playing for your country, it's that responsibility. It's that idea of, you know, carrying the torch and, and the tradition that got, we had such strong tradition in our program and, you know, wanting to keep that going and, and not wanting to let that slide for the next generation of players that were going to come. And, um, you know, I, I had a chance to play with so many incredible leaders and, and people that made such a difference in my career and, um, you know, hoping that I could do that for others um, because that's the only way you stay healthy and you stay strong and you continue to grow as a program. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up in terms of some of the leaders you're able to learn from, because I am one curious just for who else I want to uh, call up and see if I can get them on the podcast. But who are, who are some of the most incredible, um, you know, women that you played with? Who are some of your favorite, maybe not favorite, but teammates that you most respected over all the years of going to war? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I can easily say the best captain I ever played for was Cassie Campbell. And um, mm -hmm. she was someone that, um, you know, at, at some points in her career, she was an all-star and in some points in her career, she was a fourth liner. Uh, but it didn't change who she was, who she was to our team, who she was in the dressing room. Um, you know, you, you find rarely you find players like that, that are more concerned about how everybody else is feeling than themselves, even know that, you know, they're fighting for a position on the team too. And, um, so, you know, I still look to her for advice and guidance in many ways and love what she's done for our game. Uh, another player would be Vicky Sanahara, who's a great friend of mine. And, um, we played together in our club careers in addition to team Canada. And again, one of those people that just brings out the best in everyone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she could tell you the worst news and, and the person would still smile and hug her, you know, like she's just got this infectious personality that brought out the best in everyone. And, um, you know, so... I look at now some of the young women, um, younger than me, that are still playing, and man, there's some there's some great great people and leaders and ambassadors, and you know I know you know a lot of them, and and we can speak about Kendall, and I mean I'm so impressed with what she has done in this last year and two, and I didn't know her that well um, prior to getting involved with the PWHPA, but mm -hmm. you know seeing what she did at the All Star Game obviously was you know it made our put our game 10 years ahead at least, if not further. And I always think about, you know, the pressure under which she skated. Um, it wasn't like anybody oh, else skating. Unbelievable. I got yeah, chills like, right now thinking about it. Like if, like if yeah. she falls, she, she took me through uh, and we can, let's, let's just get right, right to it. We'll, 
where we're trying to, I, I guess I, it's been an obvious choice for me, not even a choice, but um, to try and champion the, the women's game and try to further the women's game. Cause I don't see the difference. Like mm-hmm. women's fans are, are fans uh, of the men's game and men's game, mm-hmm. you know, can be fans of the women's game. And if there's just more fans in hockey, there's, there's more money in hockey, there's more business, all that. Mm-hmm. But I talked to Kendall a little bit um, about, you know, the decision-making process and like the different dialogue between the NHL and the NHLPA. And, and, uh, I am going to talk to Kendall too. So I don't want to tell her story for her, but mm. like the nerves must've been <laughs> incredible. Cause it's not like a game, right? Like you, you've no. played in big games. What are you saying to yourself? Just get hit once, just make a play, yeah. just make one play. And now you're in it. Yeah. And it's, if you make a mistake, it's not over, right? No, like, you got the whole game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, but I think you're about to say there, you know, if if she slipped, she lost one edge, everybody would have said, "Yeah, we told you so," right? Like women can't play the game. Obviously, which would have been totally unfair. Like you and I both know, like Kendall Coins, North South skating ability and crossover yeah. is world class. Like I run a, a hockey camp in the summer for kids, and Kendall. Mm-hmm has been gracious enough to come out the last couple of years and she'll usually, you know, hang out. And I, I tell all my coaches, you know, it's like usually my brothers and, and Kendall, all very qualified for the talent level that we're coaching to coach away. And I, she's always very engaged, very involved. And then afterwards, she always whips that gold medal out and, and takes <laughs> pictures. But she, I have her demonstrate the crossovers because her crossover is far yeah. better than mine. Her, her balance. Mine her center of it's w- <laughs> unbelievable. Um, yeah. so I look forward to, to getting, uh, Kendall on. And I think, I think, um, the women's game in general has done a really nice job carrying that torch. Like the leaders of the women's game, uh, I'm familiar more on the U S side, but with, mm-hmm. you know, Hillary Knight and Kendall coin, like they're trying to engage young girls or trying to, uh, you know, have a presence on social media and in different ways to bring more eyeballs and hopefully more money and more attention to the women's game. Um, because it is, it is something and you see it at the Olympics, you know, during the winter games, the attention it can get at the highest level. Mm-hmm. It, it just needs, uh, the organization to be in place and, and, and that talk a little bit about your mission there. Yeah. So with the professional women's hockey players association, I think, you know, we really just got to the point where we decided the time is now, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we don't stand up for ourselves as female athletes, um, over the course of my career, I played in three different versions of a women's quote unquote professional league and mm-hmm. um, far from professional, but you know, they, they survive for a bit and somebody puts some money into them and then they, they get tired of losing money and it folds and another one starts. And as I said, I, my whole career, I went through that. Um, so when the CWHL folded, I think it was really finally that time where it opened the door for the players to really step up and and make a statement, uh, speak up for their beliefs. Um, you know, you look at the NHL all-star game, we talked about Kendall's, you know, uh, event, but when you look at even this year and and the impact, um, that game had, it's just when it's on that platform, you know, you, you, we can't do that without that sort of platform. And a lot of people, you know, keep hearing, you know, just be patient. It, It takes time and I think we're at the point now where it's not time, it's investment, mm-hmm. right? Time is going to happen. It's been time for a long time, but um, we need someone to, to really seriously invest in the game. And so the PWHPA is is saying that until there's a professional league that provides 
you know, a number of aspects of what you would expect in a professional league that the women aren't going to just play in, in some other league. And, um, that comes down to infrastructure. It comes down to resources. It comes down to, you know, daily ice time, uh, full-time staffs, medical and health insurance, a lot of things that, um, everybody just assumes professional athletes have. And, right. and, you know, obviously you're a great person that can compare it, but, um, there's little things like, you know, having clean towels after a game that doesn't exist in professional women's hockey. It's such a little thing, but, um, so I, I think we just got to that point where the time is now to stand up and, and really try to create some positive change for the women's game. And, um, you know, I do have to also, uh, thank you because you have been a champion for us and, um, you know, it's so valuable. I don't even know if you understand how valuable it is to have a, a guy in the game that stands up for the women. And, and there are a few, uh, you know, there's definitely a few that have done that, but, um, you know, as soon as an NHL player says it, you know, some NHL fans think, oh, maybe it's okay then. Maybe it is okay that women play. And, and wow, these women are kind of fast. And, and now a lot of the guys have grown up with women, uh, that they played against or played with, or they have sisters that played. And, and I think, as I think you mentioned earlier, it's just, you don't see it any differently. The women train just as hard. They compete. They're as intense. They love the game. Uh, they're great ambassadors. Um, and, you know, we just want to leave the game better than, than where it is now. And our women are committed to that. And we have incredible, um, leaders within that. Well, and, and there is an element too, where the game will continue to grow once it's got, you know, some solid footing. Like I even experienced mm-hmm. it in the summer, right? So in the summer, as a player, you're responsible for booking your own ice. You don't have trainers there. You don't have, you know, food like you would in an NHL rank before and mm-hmm. after practice. So, and and then you get to, um, you know, training camp and you're able to have that singular focus. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was honestly curious about the 98 Olympics with it being the first event, um, you know, with some of that lack of infrastructure, if that was an issue at all during tournaments, because I know in international tournaments, you're always trying to, you know, eliminate distractions and, and have that focus. And I'm, I was wondering about that like because you do there are certain things given the way our sport is played that you need on hand mm-hmm. um and you know were there any uh roadblocks at those 98 olympics and aside from the towels like i don't want to say there uh, are there any horror stories but you know mm-hmm. what was some of the most difficult parts of playing in the three professional leagues that you played in like what are, I guess, what are some of the details? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you talk about the international events, when we get to compete for our country, um, you know, Hockey Canada, I can only speak to Hockey Canada, I speak, can't right. speak to USA Hockey, but, you know, we did have what we needed. Um, but again, that, that was really once once a year for a world championships or once right. every four years for an Olympic Games. It wasn't a day in and day out kind of environment that we had. So when we weren't with them, that's where the club hockey comes in. And, um, as I said, I played in three different leagues. Um, in 2002, I came back from the Olympics and a new league had started and it was called the NWHL, not the Mm -hmm. same as the one that exists today, but the original NWHL here in Canada. And it it had private owners. Um, so we had ownership. I, I played in Brampton, Ontario, and, um, I actually had housing provided. And I got to live in this house for five years in Brampton, mm. no cost. Um, so you can decide what that's worth. But right. by the time I finished in 2013 in the CWHL, I wasn't. I had no salary. I had no gas money. I had no housing. I didn't have any of that. So we go through these waves of: is the game growing or is it not growing? And and we just don't feel like the game at the professional club level has gotten 
much better over the course of, you know, even 20 years, really. It's sort of been up and down depending on who's there at the moment and who's investing in it. Well, and in your, in your, do you, are you, I guess, proud of your women's leaders? Because you talked a little bit about it, but you said um, in your Hall of Fame speech, you know, when our voices are united, we become too loud to ignore. Mm -hmm. Do you feel you've been able to achieve that with the PWHPA? I think we're on our way to it. Um, you know, we had 180 players this year that were part of our association and uh, very fortunate to have uh, Billie Jean King on our, our board and Alana Kloss, and they are a um, advisors to us, I guess. And, and Billie Jean's big thing for us is really about having one voice. And the only mm -hmm. way you can accomplish this is by having a singular voice. So that's been a huge focus for us. Um, but it's uh, it's difficult, you know. There's still a lot of people that don't understand the landscape of the women's game, and not because they don't care, but it's just hard to get that out there. It's not uh, it's not mainstream. So anytime we have, you know, people like you or or someone you know in the media that talks about it and really helps to explain the challenges that these women are facing. Um, that's another sort of check mark, but it, it's we're not there yet, certainly. But I think we're on our way to creating something really positive. And I, I guess that's why it's so obvious for me to try and support the women's game because everything I love about the men's game is alive and well in the women's game. You know, in in all the women's hockey players that I know, they share with you like this this sense of conviction that the game should be played the right way and prepared for properly. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a sense of mission. I, I think there's something very powerful about, you know, a lot of women I'm, I'm sure, you know, face some struggles growing up where, you know, isn't that a boys game or had to play with boys and to see that perseverance for their passion is something that I'll always throw a stake in the ground and, and support. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the, women leaders have taken the concept of hockey being in the entertainment industry seriously. They've given insight into their lives. They've welcomed people to learn more about their process. And I think even the NHL has been behind in that regard, you know, in, in respect to the NBA and the NFL and some of these other sports that have been more forward thinking and been more aggressive, whether, you know, social media is the obvious one because it's very in your face, but um, just in general, in terms of uh, valuing and, and taking care of the fans' attention to give them a product, you know, that, that's really strong. I think the NHL's, you know, trying to uh, continue to grow that way. And, and the women's leaders of the game, I feel, have taken that seriously. And then really for me, I want to support dreamers. I want to support dreams. I was mm -hmm. so role model oriented growing up. You talked about your favorite players growing up on some of your Devils teams, Kirk Mueller and, and Dougie Gilmore. And, you know, I grew up with it, whether it was Joe Sackick and Pavel Bure. Um, like, e even as a, as a young man growing up in Chicago, I wonder how good I could have been. Like, I almost feel cheated because they, the Blackhawks used to not be on TV growing up. <laughs> right. So, like, you know, because it was kind of the, those dark ages. So the only mm -hmm. time I ever caught hockey, really, like my favorite team growing up was, the, uh, was uh, you know, the Avalanche and, and the Red Wings mm -hmm. of all teams. Because those were the only teams I saw they would go head to head in the playoffs, you know, 2001, yep. I was seven at the time with the Avs. And, you know, I, I guess if I can help support, create a platform for anybody and particularly women's athletes, cause I've seen in, in hockey, how hard they work and how much they love this great mm -hmm. game. If I can help create that platform for the creation of role models. So we're not cheated, you know, of the magic, 
you know, uh, the magical plays that could be going on right now, you know, even with the NHL on pause, like, I, I don't understand, and I guess I challenge, like, fellow NHLers, I, I don't totally understand how you couldn't support that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's obviously, we're trying to create something for these amazing, talented, skilled players. But we also know that by creating a professional women's league, uh, we're going to allow young girls to have that dream, whether they make it or not. We're going to help young girls stay in sport longer. Uh, We're going to create a vision of something that just, you know, becomes a possibility. And again, I I have two daughters and, and I already, my oldest daughter is seven and she actually just said last night we were having dinner and she said something about why are all my favorite shows, most of the characters are boys. And, you know, she's realizing what she's seeing yeah. And she's going to, you know, make her own assumptions and and look at what she sees as being realistic. Now, this is something that clearly, you know, it's changing, but she's realizing this as a seven-year-old that a lot of the shows she, she watches, right? And, um, and, you know, we're starting to see more. She loves Frozen, of course, and there's, you know, a female lead in that. But um, she's also, you know, made reference to the fact that girls don't play football. And so she's observing all these things. So as long as young girls don't see professional female athletes, they're never going to see that as a realistic goal of something to achieve. And not that they need to be the athlete, but they, I want them to learn all those great leadership skills and and attributes through sport. Um, that's going to help them in business or in community leadership. Um, and they're going to miss out on that if, if they drop out of sport too early. So, you know, I think what we're trying to achieve is, you know, it's for hockey, but it's also for the betterment of young girls in our society. And and I think that's something that we're also, you know, really passionate about. Did, um, I know you were talking about the other day I, on your, um, social media, you were talking about watching the WNBA draft. Mm-hmm. And what that was like. And I know, I think Kendall had mentioned something about, you know, just how special it was watching as well. Um, Talk about what parallels you're trying to draw from that league. What have they done well? What are you witnessing as someone in a leadership position? Like, what are you, what mistakes have they made that you're trying to learn from? Mm -hmm. Um, Because we've talked about it. Like, a lot of people do support the women's game. A lot of people do say, okay, it does take time to develop a, a brand or an audience or, or fanship. Fine. Uh, but you know, at some point you're like a shook up soda can, like you want to get this thing going and, and you're ready to rock. Um, you know, what, what have you been drawing on from the WNBA? Well, you know, I would start by saying, you know, one that I was sitting here in Toronto watching the WNBA draft on television on multiple channels and it hit me that it's like, this is awesome, right? I never saw anything like this when I was young. Um, when I was young, I had dreams that I would be drafted into the NHL, you know, first mm-hmm. round NHL draft pick. And, uh, you know, I'd never thought about how unrealistic that was, but that's the only thing I saw as being possible. Um, so I love um, what it represents. I love that, you know, they did a big feature about David Stern and his um, you know, his visionary um, mm. ideals for the women's game long before it was something that everybody talked about. Um, the real legacy piece for him. And, uh, you know, I, I remember after he passed away, them saying that uh, one of his most, you know, his biggest accomplishments in his mind was the creation of the WNBA because he knew that was going to be a legacy piece for him. 
And I think, you know, in addition, they talked a lot about Kobe Bryant. And uh, yeah, of course, he's one of the greatest basketball players, if not the greatest basketball player that ever played. But um, what I'm seeing a lot now is what he did for the women's game. And he's yeah. being remembered in in such bright lights for what he did for his daughter, for WNBA players, for bringing light to it, for supporting it. Um, and and those things, I don't know, you need people like that to champion it, I think. And they had that early. Um, I had a chance to speak to Val Ackerman a number of months ago, and she was the first commissioner of the WNBA. And she went through some of the things when they started the league. And of course they made mistakes. They're almost 25 years old now, which is crazy. Wow. Um, you know, she, she mentioned they expanded pretty quickly and, and maybe those are some decisions they wouldn't make in hindsight. But, um, it, to me, it's really just about like making that investment and the NBA invested in it. They saw it as, um, a way to engage fans as a way to keep the game healthy. So many young girls are playing basketball now because of the WNBA. Um, so, you know, we, we look at them in admiration really. And mm-hmm. um, I'd like to hope that we can get to where they are more quickly because we can look at what they've done and, and learn from their success, from their failures. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, this is a place that we can be. We see their athletes now being treated like professional athletes. And you're going to see that be rewarded in performance and in entertainment value. Uh, and there's going to be revenue that gets generated because of this. But we know it doesn't happen overnight. And it's a huge investment that needs to be made in the game. But it will get to the point where, you know, I remember in the WNBA finals, it was on every channel here in Canada. People were in bars mm-hmm. watching it. And it this is not stuff we normally see, but it was so cool to see. Well, I think, I think that element of time is interesting that you bring up, you know, given that, you know, Kobe has passed. I was really shook up um, recently about mm-hmm. uh, Colby Cave and just how, mm-hmm. you know, his passing. Um, and even, you know, in starting this podcast, one of my thoughts was I don't want to wait anymore. There is a cost to waiting. And there is a cost for um, allowing, you know, your dream or your goals to be put on hold. And every day that goes by is another day that you don't get to live it. Um, you know, and I guess that's been, as an athlete, you know, and I going back to the word of selfishness, it is something that I experience and sometimes feel, you know, guilty for that I am always on the clock and I do make decisions that are self-serving for to protect my skill and things like that. But that really brings me full circle to part of why I want to start this podcast and build a, a platform to lend uh, my my name and hopefully the attention of, of the audience, you know, uh, granted, you know, they, they trust me and my, and my word and, and, you know, my morals and my, my values in that, you know, that when I do point them in the direction, say for a cause that I care about, like the women's game, like uh, mental health advocacy, mm-hmm. um, I think these are, you know, important topics and, and I, Really, I'm excited to see because I, I have seen the momentum. I have seen the consistent, uh, you know, effort on on the parts of, of the leaders in your game like Kendall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I, I do think there's an element where every fan of the game, you, with hockey, part of the challenge is, right, you need a frozen ice surface. It's, it's not easily accessible. You need, you know, skates on your feet. Um, every kid in the United States grows up, you know, shooting hoops casually in gym class or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, throwing a baseball around with mom or dad or a, or a softball. And that's one of the challenges that hockey faces. Unless you're really gifted the game, unless someone gives you a pair of skates that says, here, kid, go put these on and see if you like it. It's really hard to like just happen by mistake. So that's why I think as hockey players in general, male or female, there needs to be that we need to carry the torch of our game. We need to take that seriously so that it continues the growth because we all know how special our value is in, in the sense of tradition and how hardworking it is that you have to be to have any success. But that's always been my, I guess, eye into it from like a, because it always comes down to dollar, right? Investment mm-hmm. and business, can it make money or not? And the NHL is even trying to figure out ways to maximize our revenues and things like that. Um, but I, I just, I urge more and more players and fans of the game to wrap your arm around somebody and bring them into the sport. Because once you're hooked, you're hooked. Like this mm-hmm. game, people love this game. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I, we're not, you know, I, I don't want to say, you know, a lot of people think, well, you should, Support it because it's the right thing to do. And you can feel that way. But we also believe there's some value here. There's, as as you talk about, we want Mm -hmm. the game to be healthy. For the game to be healthy, you need more and more people playing, girls and boys. Uh, You know, more female fans. Uh, more females that love the game are going to want to go to a bar and watch a game or buy a ticket or Mm -hmm. get their kids in the game. So it does keep coming back to business reasons why this is valuable too. It's not just about, you know, trying to help out the women. Like I think there's a real strong business argument for what we're trying to achieve and in trying to keep the game healthy. And, and you know, I, I think uh, given your leadership role, I'm not, I haven't seen all the, you know, efforts that you've made, um, you know, to try and create that unified voice in the women's game. Uh, but, you know, from my side of the table, from what I'm hearing and receiving it, it seems you're doing a really strong job developing that. And congrat, you know, congratulations, frankly, because I know it's not easy. Like we're going through it with, you know, our NHL PA calls and things like that. You've got 700 players all with different walks of life and different salaries and different contracts and things like that. It can be difficult to have, you know, one mission, um, you know, but I, I, as far as I can tell, as, a, as someone who's had, you know, uh, more than just a, a casual interest, I guess, I, I, to me, it sounds like you've done a really nice job continuing to gather everyone in, in one boat and, and moving this, you know, this effort on. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, and I, I, I give all the credit to the players. I mean, I, I came in and I really work for them, but they're, um, they're committed to mm-hmm. this and it's, it's really admirable. And, and we're just, uh, we know the importance of, of that singular voice. And, um, you know, I, I did listen to your earlier podcast mm-hmm. and, and you talked at, at one point about, um, you know, what it's going to say on a tombstone someday. And it's not about, you know, your accomplishments in, in hockey or goals or assists or founding a multi-million dollar company. It's going to be about, you know, how many people you impacted, how many people, you know, love and respected you. And, and I think there is this overarching theme that we carry with us that we are determined to leave the game better. And we're determined to uh, create something so that the next five or six-year-old girl that wants to lace up a pair of skates can see a realistic dream for her. And um, it's powerful stuff, but uh, it, it doesn't happen without everyone, you know, being committed to it. And, and we're really lucky that we all have a, a shared vision in that. That's beautiful. And I, I mean, that's really been to leave something better than you found it. And I, you know, it really has been part of my MO, even as a professional, you know, in locker rooms and things like that, you have a lot of ups and downs over an 82 game season. You know, I, it's interesting. My producer, Colin Steingart, he texted me after like the 20 or 30 game mark, uh, 
Um, we had talked about last summer when we were still developing this vision for this, this podcast, even he texted me. One of my goals was to be the most positive player in the NHL. Now, not, not like, you know, cheerleader, you know, pom, pom, <laughs> like, you know, we lost seven nil and, and coaches ripping us and, you know, I'm, you know, uh, screwed around on, on the bus or whatever, but, you know, truly trying to just uplift and in, in every situation. And he just texted me out of the blue. He goes, Hey, How's it going in terms of being the most positive player in the NHL? And I was injured at the time. I was a little sour, mm -hmm. you know. Right. Um, and it's, you know, I, I urge you to keep me accountable in our efforts because I'll continue to, you know, try to give a voice to, you know, female hockey players. I'll continue to try to grow the the men's game because I really do think, you know, that the rising tide, you know, raises all boats. And and this game of hockey is so special. It's 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 such a fun game that that love goes so deep that. You know, I, I, I want to gift that to somebody the same way I was, you know, because I didn't go out as a four-year-old and go get my own skates. I didn't I didn't drive myself to hockey yeah. practice, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, we appreciate that. And as I said, it, it's um, I don't even know. We can't thank people enough that really step up and and speak with us. And and it's so important. I I just finished a book um, called Legacy about the All yeah, Blacks. Yep. I don't know if you've had a chance yep. to read that. And th right at the end of the book, it resonated with me. One of their chapters and one of their leadership principles was around be a good ancestor. And that's exactly what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to carry this torch. We're supposed to make it better. Um, we want to be looked at as a good ancestor to these next people that play the game. And um, that's that's the most important thing in our minds is is just leave it better. It's a, it's it's so strong. You know, I guess one one other question, I guess, or, or scenario I wanted to picture, you know, so we kind of got, we covered, you know, what it was like growing up. You know, it's cold out back. Your older brother plays. You know, your dad's got the the backyard hockey rink. I know what that looks like. I've seen the Tim Hortons commercials and that, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, that's awesome. And then, you know, I, I've, I've seen you on, you know, TV, you know, with the, with the gold medal and, and getting that wrapped around your neck. I do want to know, like, what is your best or craziest or most memorable celebration story? Because that's something that I really want to experience in, in, in my life is I, I want to win a Stanley Cup, you know, so I could I can be a part of that party. And I'm not necessarily a partier, but if, given the right circumstance, you know. Yeah. You know, I, obviously we've had a chance to have some pretty yeah. good ones. Um, and I'm going to give you two. Um, our first one in Salt Lake City was an interesting one because Salt Lake City was a dry <laughs> state. And so there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of uh, oh. partying happening. Well, I shouldn't say partying. There was partying. There wasn't a lot of drinking happening. But, um, you know, I remember uh, after the game, we went back to this area where the friends and family were and you go and you see your parents and everybody and, and a bunch of our players were just sort of sitting on the couch. They just looked exhausted. And we were in that stage of just being physically, mentally spent. Like we had nothing left. And it was such a, uh, it was a beautiful thing to oh, see that it was chills. like, we just left it all. And it was like, that was the Cinderella story. That was the game we weren't supposed to win. That was a game where, you know, we spent almost half the game shorthanded and, and um, this you know, just incredible story. And, and that's what I remember from it was that we just had nothing left. And it was, it was really cool. 
Um, and then, you know, probably opposite to that in Vancouver, when we won in Canada, that was um, obviously pretty special uh, to get a Definitely chance to play Definitely not a dry Canada, celebration but, but, that time, I imagine. <laughs> no, no. But to play in Canada and, you know, everything was about the pressure and how we were going to handle the pressure in Canada and not only just to win in Canada, but to win hockey mm -hmm. in Canada, which was different. And um, after the fact, we ended up on the ice and... Uh, as we did every time, but somehow this time it got in the media and, you know, players had a beer and had some cigars and different things. And uh, it was on the front page of like the L.A. Times. It was on the front page in Europe, all these women uh, with beers and cigars. And um, we, we took a little heat for it, but, it, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. Heat, it was one of those moments where. You know, and again, this is a, a female thing. I yeah, think you know yeah. the fact that women are, are drinking beers. I wanted to, yeah, wanted to and, and none of us smokes. Yeah, none of us smoke cigars, obviously. But it's one of those things that you take a picture with a yeah, cigar. Whatever and, you want, do whatever you, know, you want. So it was, uh, yeah. So it was one of those moments. But um, you know, when you have that much pressure on you, and when you look at the Olympic Games, it's really about four years leading up to one game. And as you know, in one game, anything can yeah. happen. You can be sick that day. You can not play well. You can make one mistake. It's it's so finite. And when you actually accomplish that after four years of thinking about that one night, that one three-hour period, and, and you accomplish it, it's it's unbelievable. And to be able to share that with teammates and, and really just enjoy it. Um, so definitely had lots of good celebrations, but those would be two I, I really look, at, look back on fondly. Well, that's honestly why I wanted to bring it up, you know, because if we do have you know, parents out there or coaches or, uh, you know, young players, you know, uh, boy or girl, I wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about what that celebration looks like, you know, cause that's what I think of in my training. That's what I think of in my life when I'm trying to do things right, you know, so I can, I can picture, you know, skating around the ice with that Stanley cup and picture the, the champagne, you know, shower and those, the creation of those memories, um, mm -hmm. you know, Good for you, you know, all those years of hard work, all those, those you know, decades of, of staying with it and, and being able to leave this game with, you know, such a, um, the accolades you have and, and the memories you have. And, and you know, I, I, I commend you. Thank you for sharing. Um, you know, I hope, uh, you know, there, there's the development of a, of a women's league where we can have, you know, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a Stanley Cup or something like that, but where we can implant that picture in young girls' minds of that that celebration, that that pinnacle, the 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 end all be all, the what you've dreamed of moment where you see a grown man, you know, or or woman turn into that six year old again they were, you know, counting down mm -hmm. the clock, shooting pucks on their driveway. Um yeah. Yeah. and you know, thank you for sharing it fired up my, you know, juice for my afternoon workout, you know, <laughs> after that, trying to trying to have that. Yeah. But Jaina and I I bring this up just and, and we'll wrap up. I, I just want to ask, you know, if there's anything else really speaking to you, anything that really lights you on fire right now in the world, uh, anything you're trying to um, instill in, in young people, uh, you know, I, the group I'm oftentimes trying to motivate, I, I consider us like the 20 somethings trying to do something, you know, positive. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of people um, struggling right now, you know, um, out of their routine. You know, if, if there's any thing speaking to you right now. I, I was just curious, you know, given the circumstances, so unprecedented, you know, what mm -hmm. you've been thinking about? Yeah. I mean, obviously lots of things. Um, you know, I think in many ways, um, you know, it, it's so difficult for people and, uh, 
but there's a few silver linings maybe that, that happen. And, um, one being this, this concept of just slowing life down a little Mm -hmm. bit and, um, enjoying the family time and, you know, life, life has gotten pretty crazy and, um, you know, that uh, working 24 seven and, you know, responding to emails within three minutes or, or, you know, all this stuff that's just really, really intense and it's heavy and, this concept of being able to just slow down a bit, be at home, enjoy those, those times is something I think about a lot. Um, I have three kids at home right now, so schools are closed and, you know, my appreciation for teachers and (laughs) and what they do. Uh, my mom was a teacher, so I always had an appreciation for teachers and I value education in a big way. Um, but it's, you know, it's a tough job every single day to go and, and teach, you know, 25, 30, maybe even more kids in a class, uh, day in and day out, keep them engaged. And, um, so I think about them a lot. Um, and then I think about just finding a way to contribute to, to make things a little bit better for someone. And, and maybe that's, maybe all you can do is make a donation. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you can give some time. I don't know. Everyone's in a different scenario, but, uh, just finding a way to really, um, be a positive influence in someone's life right now, I, I think is important. Even if it's just, you know, a phone call to someone you don't talk to that much, it's, uh, it's this isolation thing is tough. Yeah. And, um, especially for those that are alone, uh, it's, it's really tough. Well, thank you for, you know, contributing some of your time today. I'm sure, um, a lot of listeners will really gain a lot from, uh, you know, getting, gaining some insight to your character, to your championship pedigree, to your desire to, to contribute and leave the, the world a better place. How can people uh, continue to follow along uh, with your journey to follow along with the PWHPA? You know, how can people um, get in contact with you if they want to support your mission further? Yeah, we have the PWHPA.com as our website. Um, most of our athletes are all on social media, pretty easy to find. Uh, I'm on social media, pretty easy to find. So, you know, we just, uh, we'd love everyone to join our team and really be a part of just uh, driving awareness and and celebrating our athletes. And if you have a chance to come see a game, come see a game. You're going to get a chance to see some of the best players, but you're going to get a chance to meet them too, most likely. There's uh, such great ambassadors and and people that are um, just great role models for everyone. So I don't know, I, I appreciate your time, as I said, again, and, and your platform and speaking and, you know, being a part of our team because it's it's so important for us. And, and you might be uh, the favorite NHL player of women's hockey fans, <laughs> I think. Trying, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and thanks again for your time. I gained a lot from our conversation. Truly except, exceptional individual, exceptional hockey player that, you know, your authenticity, I think, was a value you mentioned in, in you know, some of our opening comments, and uh, you just you you ooze it. You you're 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 very bright, and I appreciate our our time together, and and because it hasn't been easy, even for for me as a player, to stay motivated to you know uh, keep you know training for that goal, and then I think of you know women's hockey training for a game four years from now. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's yeah. just. Uh, yeah the the moral fortitude i guess so thank you for your time today jane all the best um you know you got a you got a fan of me and and thank you all right thanks connor mutual respect uh good luck with this thank you wow thank you everyone for listening uh jana hefford what an exceptional hockey player for sure but a leader in our in our hockey community i wish her all the best in her creation um and of the women's professional hockey league Thank you, Jaina, for your time today. I, I know I learned a lot to all my listeners. I, I'm sure you did. Uh, what an incredible force, really. What an incredible individual. I also wanted to take this time 
to shout out. These are not sponsored, but just companies, brands I, that I think are doing it right out there. Uh, you know, dream chasers, small business owners. I love Dirty Root. Dirty Root is in West Loop, Chicago, uh, like a carryout cafe. They offer the cleanest uh, ingredients I know of. You know, no canola oil. Everything's organic. Um, truly impressed with their efforts and and glad they exist. And I'm I'm hoping. You know, you can vote with your dollar and keep them open on the other side of this this crisis. And also, another restaurant providing uh, the best they can, you know, for the the health of their community, Impact Kitchen up in Toronto. That was a place I used to frequent as a as a Maple Leaf all the time. I, you know, uh, feels like forever ago now, but when I was first traded there playing for the Marlies, I used to go, you know, three, four times a week. Um, really, really loved uh, what they're providing in the community in Toronto. And also, I wanted to thank you during this time, our listener. If you're still with us, please like, subscribe, comment, share with uh, mom and dad, teach them how to listen to podcasts. Uh, I wouldn't be here without you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to continue to bring uh, a product and, and a service and a podcast that you can be proud to listen to and, and continue to gain something from. I, I value your insight. I value your commentary. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. And I, I'm so excited to see where we continue to build. Thank you.